Welcome to Season 3 of Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a confidence life coach, comedian and mother of two. I invite you to join me bi-weekly for confidence tips and interesting chats with my guests who either work in fields that help develop confidence or who have had a personal story to share about their journey of breaking free and living with more confidence and purpose. Happy New Year and welcome to Season 3 of Breaking Free. It feels amazing to be starting a new season after reaching 50 episodes and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast journey. By listening and sharing the episodes with friends and family, it gives me a lot of joy when I know an episode has resonated with you or inspired you to make a positive change in your life. Season 2 was all about ways you can increase your confidence through sharing helpful steps you can take towards doing that and changing your mindset. I had great chats with experts and with people who had experienced a positive shift themselves and shared their personal stories. So for this episode, I thought I would revisit some of them and give you a summary of the topics and discoveries that were made that could be super helpful to start your year with new energy, that gets you motivated to create the 2023 that you want for yourself. So I'm going to start with episode 28 in season two, which is creating confidence and joy. And it's a solo episode where I talk about how you can try new things. Confidence isn't something we all just have naturally. It's something we can develop. It's something we can work on. Every single one of us. And some of us might have a little higher dose of it um, because of our circumstances in life with maybe family supporting you or encouraging you much more um, or good positive experiences where you excelled at something and people celebrated you. But if you don't have it and you're feeling like you'll never have it, you know, you're in your 20s now, 30s or older and you still feel insecure about things, just know that there's a way that you can develop your confidence. And one of the smallest, nicest ways, actually, is trying new things. It can be very, very scary to try new things. However, if we don't, life can be very, very dull. And they can be something very, very small. But if you feel that it challenges you, then that's the thing that you need to do. Because if you live in fear and you live in just your comfort zone, you're never going to push yourself. And when you don't push yourself, you don't discover new things about yourself and that you're capable of doing something, which is the very thing that gives you more confidence. And now moving on to episode 30, where I talk to John Torrens, who is an expert in confident speaking. So if the idea of speaking in public makes you feel anxious and you worry about all the things that could go wrong and what if people think that you're boring, you'll definitely benefit from hearing John's story about um, how he was a stand-up comedian for 10 years and how to make your story unpredictable and break the pattern. 
He talks about vulnerability and showing your authentic self and how that connects you with your audience more and what to do when things go wrong and how it can become the funniest story ever, actually. He talks about the chaotic TEDx experience that he had that turned out successful in the end. And he talks about how to not let the negative inner dialogue ruin a talk that might seem to others to be running smoothly. And he talks a little bit about Dave Goggins' accountability mirror technique and Mel Robbins' high five technique and power poses by Amy Cuddy. And John shared openly his own insecurities and doubts and talked about how Susan Jeffers' advice in her book Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway helped him. So in this small part that you're going to hear now, he's talking about the importance of defining what you want confidence in and to then give yourself permission. So what is confidence? Let's listen to what John said. You've mentioned that defining confidence is key. What is confidence? What is it to you? What is it? Like, let's get specific about it. Well, it's funny because people come to me and they, they want confidence. But I think it's really useful to, to have it properly defined. I think, how are you going to apply it? Because just feeling good about yourself and feeling confident is, is wonderful. But people often say to me, oh, I don't feel confident if I don't know the subject. So this is specifically with a presentation. And of course they don't. And it, it would be strange if you felt confident, I think, when you didn't know the subject. Yeah. So it, there are a few different elements. I think while the end result of what I want to give people is confidence, the immediate things are very practical, which are knowing your subject and constructing a piece, whether it's an introduction to you or your company or whatever it is you're going to talk about, constructing a piece that makes sense and has a good structure, then delivering it in a way that conveys enthusiasm and helps people feel like you're in control and that you are confident. So it's conveying apparent confidence. So in a way, that could be the most important aspect. It's the audience, and the audience could be one person or, or 500. It's the audience feeling relaxed about you. So you could be a great speaker who conveys this wonderful, confident, relaxed, conversational persona when you speak. But actually, every time you speak, you feel a little bit nervous and shaky. So the confidence could be, I will do a good job. It's not that I will feel completely relaxed and happy throughout the situation. It's just, I will do well. So that's that's one way of looking at confidence. I've defined it recently for myself as I have permission. So I mentioned that craving approval from other people. What I've realized is probably the best route for me to proper confidence is to give myself permission to make mistakes, to mess things up but to be authentic and be me because actually and it's a case of me taking my own advice for any audience that's what we want we want to see you we want to see the the clearly authentic version of you because it's just more interesting but the other side for you as a speaker is it's easier because you're not having to put up the shields and a facade uh, and that's when you make real connection but i think that's that's what confidence is now, in this next one, I have a very interesting conversation with Zena Mullis about becoming sexually confident. We're all confident in some areas of our lives more than we are in others. 
but sexual confidence is rarely felt or talked about. And feeling confident in your body and knowing what pleasures you gives you confidence in the way that you carry yourself and interact with others. Our sexuality is an important and integral part of being human, so why do we shy away from exploring it more openly? And why do parents find it difficult to discuss sexuality and body autonomy with their children? Why is shame tied to sexual pleasure in so many cultures? So have a listen to what sex educator Zina Malas has to say about our sexuality being linked to our confidence. I want to talk to you today about how being more open about our sexuality, about accepting our our feelings and our needs help us feel more confident as women or as men. So how how would you explain um, the difference of sort of letting go of that shame, letting go of these fears that we have about our bodies and once we're comfortable with that, how it makes all the difference? Yeah, Rania, you know, when um, our sexuality plays a huge part in our lives, we shouldn't underestimate it. Sexuality doesn't just mean sex. It means our capacity for sexual feelings, our identity, how we express ourselves, who we are attracted to. Our sexuality has such an important relationship with our happiness, and it contributes to our wellness and our life satisfaction. So our sexual well-being also predicts our life satisfaction. Uh, So to deny or shame this part of our lives, it can cause a lot of distress to people, not only in our relationships with others, but also in our relationships with ourselves. The conversation needs to start when we're young. It can be as simple as using the correct terminology for our body parts. I mean, think about it. If we use the right words for all our body parts, uh, our ears, our our eyes, our mouth, our noses, but then when it comes to our private parts, we don't use the correct words. What is that saying? It's saying we're embarrassed to say the word penis or vulva, and that brings with it a sense of shame. So um, we need to teach our children as well about boundaries and consent. This is something that I cover a lot with with, uh, being a sexuality educator. Um, Consent our boundaries are very important because not only are we teaching them to respect and to know their bodies and what they want and what feels good, but we're also teaching them to respect other people's bodies. It teaches them compassion and it teaches us to check in on the other person. And in the long run, it teaches us to be considerate partners and and teaches us to be vocal about what we like and what we don't like, what we accept and what we don't accept. And that in turn increases your confidence in your body and in your relationships. Asking for what you want isn't selfish, it's communication. In episode 29, I talk about cosmetic confidence with Laura Marshall. She's an award-winning aesthetics director who helps people feel more confident with medical tattooing and cosmetic injectables. We explore whether looking younger or more beautiful on the outside helps you feel any more confident on the inside. I ask Laura how much is too much and how filters are affecting the younger generation now. Well, let's talk filters. I mean, it's very clear that companies and media and beauty products, all of that marketed towards the aging woman before because they knew, okay, there's a vulnerability. They'll buy the creams. They don't want the wrinkles. But now they're targeting young girls through filters that they get used to seeing themselves in one way that they feel that looking at themselves in the mirror looks old or looks tired and they need to be like the filter. 
So how many people do you have come in asking, can you make me look like my filter? Yeah, it definitely happens where people come in asking to look like their filters. I will say for the most part, when they come in asking to look like that version of themselves, they tend to be on the younger side, actually, um, which is possibly quite sad, you know, depending on how, yeah, Mm -hmm. depending on how you look at it. Um, I suppose the ones that come in like that, sometimes they, again, will come in with this faux confidence and they come in, you know, sort of saying, I just like the way I look like that. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I want to look a certain way. So Fox Eye, I don't know if you've heard of that as a sort of look on some people, but it's very much, um, it follows um, what one of the supermodels sort of face shapes is and and it's to do with um it's Bella her name is Bella Hadid yes exactly yeah her eye shape has what is quite a fox eye appearance where it's quite sort of pulled back I suppose and there's Mm. a lot of procedures we can do with things like PDO threads which pull back your muscles around your eyes and will give you that appearance so that's Mm -hmm. a really I suppose common entry level way for some girls to come in and say I want to look like that I've decided um a big part of my job is having to under get them to understand as well that that's a you know fairly permanent thing they're doing um it's not always completely permanent depending on the procedure but it's getting them to understand that they still will very much find that they don't look like their filter from having it done and you know that there is a lot of smoke and mirrors involved you do get that where people are used to seeing this really filtered version of themselves regularly I don't necessarily think it's all unhealthy I think like anything the answer is never in the black and the white I think the answer is often in the gray area so you know people coming in going actually I like the fact that with this filter, um, my skin looks brighter. I've been thinking about, you know, facials or brightening things or injectables. You know, can we talk about that? And it starts a dialogue. It starts a conversation. Things like hyaluronic acid, which you can have injected. um, It's really stimulating to the skin. It, it, It allows the skin to do its own work basically and look glowing and beautiful and I live and die by hyaluronic acid I really do I chose episode 37 for you to hear because it was about money confidence and I found it was such a helpful episode to talk about money with Dr Nikki Ramskill she's also known as the female money doctor and she believes that we cannot be truly healthy while a money nightmare is going on in the background, health and wealth is intimately intertwined. And if we feel secure about where we are with our money, then it gives us confidence. And the part that I've chosen for you to listen to today is how women are taught to budget and save versus men who are told to invest. For women in particular, um, we, we are taught to budget money so we're taught to be really frugal we're taught to make sure that our our money um goes you know we have money at the end of the month we can we make sure that we pay for everything that we need 
this is taught to us through all sorts of ways. So blogs, magazine articles, um, through watching our parents and our parents, you know, what they taught them, what they learned from their parents. So women, the message that we get is budget, be frugal. Men, on the other hand, through magazines, through watching other people, through the messages they, they see everywhere, it's you need to be the breadwinner. You need to be the one that invests money. You can build wealth. You can be a wealthy person. What I'm now starting to see is a shift, but then it's because I'm I'm always focused on it. So for me, it feels like all I'm seeing now is female millionaires or female um, empowerment um, kind of messages. But actually, what's to the general public, to the general population, that's still not a reality. So many um, relationships get stuck in this cycle where the woman can't leave or the man can't leave. You know, it works yes. both ways because one person holds the purse strings over the other. So I think it's about time that we start that the messages we're getting through that actually it's not about being so focused on being frugal or traveling to the nearest supermarket to, to get the best deal on toilet roll or something like that. Actually, what would be more sensible use of your time? Perhaps researching an index fund and putting some money into that instead. You know, why not start moving the needle towards having our own money? A very important episode and a lot of people resonated with this one and wrote in about it and shared their own stories afterwards, which was great, was how to stop people pleasing. So episode 49 is all about how to stop people pleasing. It's a solo episode where I discuss how this is such a big issue that so many people struggle with on a daily basis. I share how we're taught to lie about our feelings from a very young age and how we need to reconnect with our desires and our inner signals and things you can try in order to break the pattern. And when you stop people pleasing, that's when you start feeling more confidence in yourself and in your decisions and in who you are. So how do we break the pattern of people pleasing and not paying attention to our own needs? Well, first of all, awareness. And hopefully that first step has happened if you're listening to this podcast today and recognise those habits in yourself. Then consider your intention behind wanting to help. Will it bring you joy or will it make you feel resentful if it isn't reciprocated? Realise it's healthy to put your needs first and you'll be more able to help those you wish to when you want to. Practice with small things first. Big changes might result in those who know you to see it as a personal attack at first and changing the usual dynamic, which might scare you and make you back down quickly. So think of small things and, and make the changes slow. Try planning something for yourself. Try saying, thanks for thinking of me. I'll need to check if I'm free then, instead of an instant yes. Try voicing a need like, can we put the heater on, please? I'm feeling really cold. Don't let that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach or the fear of rejection stop you from trying. It's just hard breaking old habits at the beginning, but the rewards will most definitely outweigh the discomfort you've felt putting your needs last for so many years. Ask for what you need in a relationship. Share your opinion at work or at college. 
Think and note what boundaries you would like to have. They may even be to yourself, like I'm not going to answer emails after 6pm. Hold back from volunteering your help and wait till you're asked. Don't defend your no with reasons and lies. Just try saying politely, thank you for asking, but I won't be able to. Imagine how easy it would be to say no, no matter how much you were pressured, if you were out with your young child, for instance, and a stranger asked if he or she could take them to play around the back of the park. It would be a definite no, no matter how many times they asked, right? Talk to a therapist or coach to get help with breaking these patterns and lessening the anxiety around doing so. In episode 46, Follow Your Heart, I had the pleasure of chatting to Mustafa Salame. Mustafa grew up in a Palestinian refugee camp in Jordan. His memoir, Dreams of a Refugee, is an extraordinary story of faith, bravery and perseverance. He is the only Palestinian Jordanian and one of only 20 people to climb the seven summits and reach the South Pole and the North Pole, known as the Explorer's Grand Slam. Mustafa is the amazing proof that you can dream big and make anything happen if you open your heart with full conviction. What made you go from hospitality and being a general manager and thinking that was your aim, that was your goal, that's, that's what you wanted to achieve in life, to waking up one day and going, no, I want to climb Everest. Take us back to that. Yeah, I mean... When that dream come, I thought, you know, that's that's what I need to do. And that's mm. what I'm destined to do, because I always believe I always believe in my destiny. But in the same time, I always followed my heart all the way in every single things I did in my life. Mm. That's why you, when you follow your heart, <laughs> when you follow your heart, you always, you know, you always mess up your life. <laughs> but but you will always be happy because you will always do more and more and stuff. You know, I don't need to think about it. I know what it is. My thinking will come is how I'm going to make it, how I'm going to do it. Yes. It's not like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. No, it's how I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. Episode 33 was really enjoyable because it's about teenage confidence. And I had my daughter's best friend on as my guest. So she's 15 years old and full of confidence and tells me about what it's like sharing on TikTok and um, how social media can be negative and positive and career aspirations and inspirational teachers who her role models are online and whether she thinks money can buy happiness and how important it is to be your authentic self. So it's really interesting to hear things from a teenager's perspective and the teenage years can be the hardest time to actually feel confident. You tend to be very insecure and wanting to be part of a tribe making sure that you look the same, act the same, sound the same and like the same things. So I found it really interesting to hear what it's like for a teenager and um, see what you think. 
So how would you define a confident person? I would define a confident person as someone who's just not afraid to like be themselves and, um, you know, be strong about what they believe in and their beliefs and like morals and all that. And would you consider yourself a confident person? I would consider myself, yeah. I I think in, you know, some moments I might not yeah. be, but I'd say, yeah, all around. And when you meet new people, friends, groups, do you let them see the real you at first? Are you comfortable with that or do you sort of try to just fit in at the beginning? I would say I'm pretty confident and comfortable in showing like who I am and people who I am. I think, you know, if it's like meant to be, it is. And if they're like really want to be your friend, then if they're meant to be your friend, then, you know, they'll stick around and they'll like you for how you are. I don't think you should fight for someone to like you because, you know, you're not meant to be everyone's friend. Like some people will like you, some people won't. And I think you have to understand that, you know, you can't be liked by everyone. It's like people like you, people don't. And like, I don't think you should try to be liked. I think people, you know, if people like you, they 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 like they like you, and that's good. Yeah. You know, I think you should just be happy in the people you meet and be happy in yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, you're always fearful that oh, if I let my guard down, or they see the real me, or they realise I'm not what I made out to be, they're not going to like me, and then that's not a comfortable friendship to have. How would you describe yourself in three words? Uh, oh, three words. Okay, here we go. I describe myself as... Is that a bit, like, big-headed to say that I'm charismatic? No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're going to be charismatic then. I think we don't, we don't boost ourselves up enough. Yeah, okay, confidence. Here we go. Ego boost. Yeah, because I think, especially girls, they're very good at saying, oh, I'm rubbish at this, or I'm awful at whatever, or oh, aren't I silly? Mm. And it's really wonderful to to say, yeah, I'm really good at this, I'm charismatic, I'm, you know, positive things. Okay, we're, we're going to lift our, ourselves up, okay? Yeah, Okay, I'm real, real charismatic, you know, mm-hmm. so full of charisma. In three words, I'd probably describe myself as open-minded, I'm quite charismatic and optimistic. Episode 40 is a solo episode. Confidence coaching. What is confidence coaching? And confidence is a skill that we can develop by understanding the reasons behind the fears that have been holding you back. So I talk a little bit about focusing on the areas you already have confidence in and finding out why you have confidence in those areas more than others and examples of how bad experiences create negative beliefs and why the fear of success can be just as strong as the fear of failure sometimes. So I hope from this little short bit you can find some helpful information. How can I help someone feel more confident? Isn't confidence something that we're just born with? We're either shy or we're confident. And I thought I'd clarify that confidence is a skill that we can all develop. And we can develop it when we actually are able to see the reasons behind the insecurities about some things. I would say that confidence is built on trust in yourself. When you don't trust yourself, when you're scared of what you might or might not do, 
then it's really difficult to feel confident that, yeah, I'll take that step because, you know, whatever is going to happen, I trust that I'll know how to handle it. I will deal with it. But if you're like, I don't know how I could react to this or what if I lose it? What if I crumble? What if I embarrass myself? I don't trust myself. That's where the problem lies. It's in the trust. So it really helps to look at areas that you are confident in. Think about the areas that you do feel confident in because all of us have some areas where we feel really confident and other areas where we don't. And that's totally normal. And in coaching, we'll compare and we'll think, okay, so these few areas that you feel confident, why is that? Is it you've had positive experiences? Have you had good feedback? Were you praised for it early on by parents, teachers, etc.? You know, were you told, oh, yes, she's the creative one or, oh, yes, she's very good at maths? Um, you know, overhearing these sort of things make them your beliefs because as a child, you believe in what adults think. You know, if they say that, it must be true. So if they say you're no good at something or it's too hard for you, that is the belief system that you have. And you grow up with all these things that you have learned that sometimes you really need to look at again and think, are these my beliefs or are they someone else's? And are they holding me back or are they helping me? So if they're holding me back, we need to start looking at how to unlearn them and see them from a different perspective. Now, equally, there are reasons behind a lack of confidence in certain areas of your life. Also, it could be that you learnt how to be a people pleaser and felt that doing certain things have a high risk of maybe upsetting someone else. You know, if you go against how the family have done things, will that make you an outcast? Will you upset someone? Um, the fear of that can make you feel insecure and can make you lack confidence in it because you don't know what the outcome is. So it's all about discovering what beliefs you developed and learned that could be holding you back and beginning to unlearn them. And then as we unlearn them and we start seeing them in a different way, it gives us the courage to try something new. And together we find little, little steps that aren't scary at all towards those things. And then when you can do one step, it feels really, really exciting because it proves that you were wrong before when you said, I can't do this. This isn't for me. I'll never do this. So when you've achieved one little step, it changes your mind and you feel ready to take the next step and the next step. And really, what is confidence except experience, perhaps good experience, uh, practice at something? And so the more you gain practice, the more experience you get in this new thing that you were fearful of, the more you'll feel confident in it like any other area in your life. And so many people that I work with not only fear failure, but they also fear success because of all the change that comes with success. What if you lose friends and family? What if you don't have time to be with your loved ones? What if people start using you because you now have influence and money and wealth? What if they think that you're now above them and not the same anymore? Also, it attracts negative attention like trolls posting insults and put downs about you or your work. So these things can be scary. But then the question is, is it better then to stay stuck and stay where you are? 
and never know? Or is it better to move on and do what you love and succeed at what you love and just gain the confidence to deal with what comes with that? The title of episode 35 is Clowning with Confidence. If you've felt stuck and unfulfilled doing what you're doing and wondering how you can make a fresh new start, do listen to this fun and inspirational chat with my guest Rania Khouri because she found the confidence to leave a successful corporate career after two decades when she took a values in action test and discovered that her true strength lay in her skill to be playful. Her love for learning and exploring new possibilities and challenges helped her discover so much more about herself and led her to finding her true passion as a laughter wellness leader and a medical clown with the Red Noses NGO in Jordan. The way that you describe yourself is is a beautiful phrase or paragraph that says you're a student of life, the project manager of your journey, and a passionate challenge seeker. Yes, right? absolutely. Well, it's been a while since I ra- last read the, those uh, sentences, Rania. But always believed uh, I'm a fan of learning. You know, learning is one of my top strengths. I like to learn new things, process of learning rather than the end destination. So this has quite uh, helped me reach to good places in my life, you know, in the corporate world, uh, achieve what I was asked to achieve, excel in what I was doing. Um, challenge has been really a, a big part of my life as well. I seek challenge. So y- you, you often see me like doing things that are not usual to do. You've always been this way, would you say, or or do you feel that you can describe yourself this way now that you've found your authentic path, the the path that that you've carved for yourself after leaving the corporate world after two decades and finding yourself as a laughter wellness leader, uh, a life coach, a, a medical clown? Is it a medical clown? Am I right? Yes, absolutely. It's a medical clown. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey? And and do you feel now that you are truly those things? Or have you always found a way to be them? Even like you said, in corporate, you were always seeking challenges or doing things that were unexpected. Yes, absolutely, Rania. So as you said, I have worked like almost two decades in the corporate field. So it was between pharmaceuticals, uh, banking industry, telecommunication, uh, I was good at what I was doing and I always seek to improve myself. So, you know, I was acknowledged by the management. I was acknowledged by the customers. Um, I did my MBA as part of pushing even myself more and uh, gaining more learnings and knowledge. Uh, but still, I, I felt there was something missing, you know. So it wasn't a press of a button. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, yeah, I am a medical clown. I'm a laughter wellness leader. It, it was an accumulative process where uh, day by day, month by month, I gained more awareness about myself. It all started with gaining more awareness about myself, about my strength, what am I good at, what's important to me, uh, what are my values. And accordingly, I started uh, choosing differently, I would say. Mm. So this has led me to, to where I am today. 
Episode 34 is about confidence through music. It's a beautiful episode with my guest Suad Bushnak, who's an incredible Jordanian-Canadian composer of Bosnian, Syrian and Palestinian roots. Her music, described by the BBC as reflective and touching, tackles themes of identity, loss, war, peace and coexistence. She's scored award-winning feature films and shorts that have screened at festivals around the world, and the latest of which is the feature film Selma's Home, which I'm proud to have played the role of Lamia in. In this episode, we discuss some of the challenges and painful times that Saad faced in her life that changed her career path, as well as the beautiful moments that helped shape the woman she's become today. I hope you find her unshakable confidence and passion about her work as inspiring as I did. The, the nice thing about composing music or actually any, any form of art you pursue is that I know I could mess up a lot of things in my life. Like I know I'm maybe not the best at relationships. Maybe I could burn something that I cooked, whatever. But when it comes to my music, it's the one thing in this life that I know I can do well. I know I will never miss a deadline. I know I will deliver the best work that I can. And I know that it's, it's gonna be very good work. So there's that confidence, which is, I was talking to a colleague of mine just last week. It's an irrational confidence because you can't be that confident. So, so somehow it's an irrational confidence that I know that I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it well. It's the one thing I know how to do in this life. I could mess up everything else, but this, I know how to do it. Well, I think I would say it's rational because you kind of base things on past experiences. So if you've had many successful past experiences, it gives you confidence and courage that this time is gonna be good as well. Why wouldn't it be? It's usually when you haven't done something for such a long time that you worry and you feel insecure. Or if you haven't succeeded in something in the past, then you feel, you know, insecure and worried about it. So music is what you do and you do it well. And so that was a brief summary of some of the episodes from last season, which you can go back and listen to fully on any podcast platform or my website. I look forward to a new season with you and a new year with new topics and new guests. Till then, take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniacurdy.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.